Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando. Are you serious? A one-woman show featuring my guest today, actor, writer, producer, and performer, Tulis McCall. Are You Serious? opens Monday, September 19th, 7.30 p.m. at the United Solo Festival in New York City. That's www.unitesolo.org. For tickets, call 212 212- Two three nine six two hundred. Tulis McCall. I love that name. I'll say it many times. Tulis McCall. She's done so much. I want to get her talking first, but I do have to say this. At least the Los Angeles Times said Tulis McCall tells the story of womankind. So you know what we're in for. What every woman wants to know. Tell us, Tulis McCall. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices. How are you? Marcello, you little dolphin. It's so nice to talk to you. You, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell the uh, audience right away, uh, Tulis and I have maybe had two, three conversations tops. I've never met her, but she and I are, oh, we're, we're New Yorkers, and we have a, a friend in common, by the way, come to think of it, my old NBC boss, who I think introduced us via email. Anyway, Tulis is on the show to talk about Tulis. Tulis McCall. Tell us, you've been doing so much, especially since 2007. So, <laughs> first question, women I have known. <laughs> women I have oh, known. Yeah. Not me, but you. Go. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be that kind of show, um, I can tell. Yeah, really. Uh, right down the tube. Uh, women I've known, it was... Um, uh, and then it became what every woman knows. We changed the title. Uh-huh. Uh, it was my, my first one-woman show. Yes. And uh, I toured it from about 19, um, oh, um, about 15 years. I toured it to colleges and high schools and theaters all over the country. Wow. And uh, it, it, it's the story of American women, uh-huh. uh, the history of Amer- American women. As a British friend of mine said, oh, I suppose it's quite short then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know, only the, only the Brits could get away with that. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
so I told it, and um, you know, I mean, you and I talk so easily. I'm just assuming you grew up uh, as did I, um, with a lot of relatives who were a great storytellers. You know. Oh yes. And so the kitchen, be- kitchen became the place. Absolutely. Where you you heard the story. Yes. And that's you know when the. When Uncle Billy came over, you wanted to be wherever he was, but yes. not Ginny. You wanted to follow her, and da 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 da. So it was. It's sort of. It's sort of like that, mm-hmm. as, as is my current one woman show. It's it's um it's that it's that conversational stuff um where it, what I did with uh, what every woman knows was I just said I'm every woman and I've been alive since you know the beginning. Sure. So, I knew Sojourner Troop, and I knew Victoria Woodhull. Gotcha. All, you know, the, the rage now in politics. Sure. She ran for the presidency in the 1800s. Um, so so that, was, that was my point of view. Okay. And I would say, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so then I would introduce people to, um, to these women without, um, you know, with grace, with a lot of humor, because if you're going to talk about women's history and you can't be funny, you'll just end up you know, charring and feathering people in the audience. <laughs> so you have to have that, you know, that humor uh-huh. um, to make to, to help people to listen. And it, um, you know, I guess what I do is I I say things that other people think. Yes. So I remember after I did uh, I did one show in the high school, and one of the lines that I had was, um, you know. Back back in the day, women didn't have a choice about um, what they did with their last name when they got married. Ah, it was yes. never a law that, ah. that you had to change your name. It was just custom. Yes. But today, you know, women have a choice because they can either take their husband's name or keep their father's name. Yes, that's right. So there's, there's that choice. <laughs> and, um, I, uh, I Is there a third choice? <laughs> Absolutely. I think also theater and and the arts in general, but but theater because it is live and it's right there for your immediate response, whatever that may be, laughter, tears, applause, even contemplation, oh my God. But because it is so immediate and intimate at the same time, as well as a collective sharing, I know somewhere along the line you've said theater is the temple, but it it certainly is, is a place where people can get the truth about themselves. But one one quote about you that I like, a woman of a certain age sticks her finger into the light socket of life and invites you to hold hands. You gotta tell me about that. I don't know who I said this. I might have said this to you the other day. I could I, I, I could do a one woman show about broccoli. Uh huh. Yes you did. Uh, if that was and um so I happen to be sixty six, so I've noticed 
things in my life uh, shifting. And uh, it wasn't anything I, uh, I certainly didn't plan it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there's a wonderful writer, uh, Penelope Lively, don't you remember that name? Oh, yes. And she's, she's written some wonderful stuff, and one of her treatises is on aging, and she said, and she's 80. Uh-huh. And she said, it's not what I imagined it to be, mm-hmm. but then I never imagined it. Yes. It's about sharing that Exactly. But mortality is, you know, it's an ever-growing um, occupation. It, you know, it, it takes up more and more space in my brain every day. Of course. So, you know, I've created my own work as an actor. So, so now I'm creating this, and you know, there's not a lot out there for women in their sixties. You know, it's nice that we have Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin on on TV. That's great. Mm-hmm. But it's all the smooth people. I'm not one of them anymore. Did you say smooth people? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you? Are you speaking about skin? I'm just curious. Is that what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow! I got it. The smooth people. <laughs> I, I I I started to notice that I was looking at people. And, you know, I would walk up to them and I'd get closer and closer and closer. And it's, sort of, it's sort of like visiting the zoo. Uh huh. You know, and you look them. You look them. And there's not a wrinkle on there, mm. and it's it, it's fascinating. And uh, I now realize what when I was a kid coming up, you know, the older people would say, "Come here, let me get, you know, let me get a look at you." You remember that? Yeah, so oh, yes. Up and down and everything. Mess with just, your hair. They were just <laughs> they were just noticing that you were smooth. That you smooth. didn't have any wrinkles. That's what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to remember. Oh, gee. Yes, well, yes. You, was I ever that smooth? I can't believe that. So, anyway, that certainly was on TV, and that's a lot of what's in the theater, and it certainly what's in the movies. So I'm, you know, kind of jumping up and down and going, you know, let's rumble with the boomers because there's 70 million of us. Exactly. And growing. <laughs> You know, but as you say, we all hope to, instead of the alternative, we hope to live a long, healthy life, but we don't, and I don't just mean financially, we've just discovered recently, many of us, that even preparing financially for retirement doesn't guarantee anything, depending on who's running the country. But generally speaking, for instance, I have a lot of guests uh, on who deal with aging, uh, particularly with Alzheimer's and whatever, and I think the thing that all of us have not mentioned, which you uh, have brought out in your performances and in your plays, one woman shows, is the older women get, the more invisible they become to the rest of us. Mm. Is that a fair mm-hmm. assessment? Oh, yeah. Tell me. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, 
Well, one of the funny ones is um, being called a guy, uh, which happens all the time. Uh-huh. So, you know, if I go, if, if, let's just say I'm sitting at a bar. <laughs> <laughs> let's just yeah. imagine that. <laughs> if I ever went into a bar and I said that, yes. and the bartender comes over and, you, and usually calls me ma'am, because that's what I am now, uh-huh. and then I order, order my drink and blah, blah, blah. Now, if you were to come in and join me, that same bartender would come back and say, hey, guys. Oh, interesting. So, I thought guys were sort of uh, generic. No good, huh? Yes. <laughs> you, know, you, don't, you know, you know, it, it goes back to the, you know, all men are created equal. Yes. This is just a, this, this is like the nephew of that. I gotcha. You know? I gotcha. So, so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm invisible, and, uh, and I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty loud person. I was going to say not so very invisible. That's for sure. No. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I, I see it. You know, when people, I'm just not. I'm not one of the smooth people, so I'm, you know, I really have to push my way in. To, you know, and this is, you know, New York. Sure. If you got a... So I think we're invisible uh, as we step out into the street, and I know we're invisible on TV and in the movies, and, you know, unless they go, oh, it's a woman's movie, you know, mm. during Meryl Streep again. And... You know, or, or our, you know, uh, we have a cadre now of of female actors that we can say, but look, yes. Helen Mirren, Helen yes. Mirren's working, and uh, all five of them. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Dame Judy's working, yes. and uh, you know, isn't, isn't that enough for you people? Mm. Or you know, you see the billboards of the new action movie, and it's starring some muscly person and you know and it, there's a cadre of people that sort of over the end there's this chick and now they're getting to be more um they're Hispanic uh-huh so that so that covers everything yeah and a lot of white guys and so it's just you know so anyway I I think the, I agree with you that the theater is I mean I really do believe at the temple I think people go there because they want to be changed. Yes. They want something to happen to them, uh, which, uh, and, and, and good theater, as you know, does that. Yes. It changes you on a molecular level. Exactly. Something happens. Mm-hmm. I know. So I like to have them go, me too. Oh, yes. me too. Yes, yes. Yeah, I know that. Oh, me too, me too. That is theater. Well, it's in a high school. I even directed a show in a middle school once, and and what happened in that with that those I think they were maybe thirteen, fourteen years old. Uh, it's been a while, but uh, what happened to them, and then what happened to their audience, which not only included their parents, who would have loved anything, of course, but their peers, who were not ready yeah. to see uh, what they saw. I, it it was. And for me, too. I mean, I sat there, and here I had worked with these kids, but something happens when, okay, there they are. You're on your own now. I'm standing in the back. Everyone's looking Uh at you. And I, with the audience... uh, of peers and and parents and friends and so forth, and teachers... um, between the performers and me, I got to see that whole 
effect that that impact on that those those different groups if you will all in one mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. what theater does Nothing else does that. exactly Tulis McCall, only because I love saying that name, I'm going to say it again um, and say again to remind everyone. We're uh, talking to Tulis McCall, who's an actor, writer, producer, and performer. And since 2007, she has hosted Monologues and Madness. Tell us a little bit about Monologues and Madness. Well, um, I tried writing plays and discovered so far I'm not very good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a wonderful cafe here in New York called the Cornelia Street Cafe. You, you oh, yes. have gone there when you were lived here. Yes. Uh, down in the West Village. Exactly. And they have a, a basement with a small stage. And it looks like every teenager's dream, you know, when you were a kid. And this could go play in the basement. You went, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, except it doesn't have the, you know, the rug that we spilled everything on. They yes. Don't, they don't have that. No. But they have two shows a night the entire year with perhaps the exception of New Year's Eve or something uh-huh. uh, so they have the, they have the spoken word they have uh, uh, composers and writers and singers and you know playwrights and all kinds of things so I uh, I lived in LA for it was in New York for 13 years then I moved out to LA and I came back right after 9-11 because I couldn't stand not to be here anymore yeah and I was I was sent to um by a friend of mine out in L.A. She said, you have to go meet these people. So I went and met them, and uh, I did, I think it was two play readings, and um, and one and one of which there was four people on the stage and three people in the audience, one of which was me. Uh. And um, instead, instead of saying, you know, please don't come back, uh, the guy who ran it said, well, what are you going to do next? Uh. I went, ooh, okay. And I love writing monologues. I always have. Uh-huh. There must be some other people out there. This is New York, you know? Yes, yes. As Ed, Ed Koch used to say, we have a million of everything in New York. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I just put the word out, you know, to people who wanted to come in and uh, have original monologues that, that, you know, they write them or, you know, they're reading someone else's. So... I started doing that back in um, 2007, and we're still going. We do the first Monday of every month, mm-hmm. and I have I pick some guest curators now to bring in new people. Yes, and um, so it's you know it's a lovely it's a lovely evening, and uh, there's a, a, a Francesca Rizzo, a friend of mine, is uh, going to be producing an off Broadway play from her monologue. Ah, oh. so, um yeah, and, and I'm working on my own uh, one-woman show from the monologues that I, I brought in. So uh, different people like, you know, uh, uh, do it for different reasons. And sure. they're not all character monologues. Sometimes they're sort of, you know, here's what happened to me this week monologue. Gotcha. Uh-huh. But I, I think that the monologue is the, is the kind of, you know, the elbow of, of the theater. It's, it's it, around which everything... Uh, uh, flows. Gotcha. You know, because when that happens, it, when one person is just standing there talking. Yes. And you, the, the, you know, things, the, the, the molecule shift. Sure. And uh, I always said, you know, my idea is um, of a good monologue is, that let's say you were in a theater and they were rehearsing. Uh-huh. And you, and you peeked in through the back door and your friend said, we're going, we're going. And you kept saying, hold on. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yes, yes. You were you were gonna you were gonna go anywhere until that person was done. Exactly. You know, exactly. What they were doing. So. So that's what I say to people, you know, make it that good. Exactly. I, I can I can say as a director, um, uh, there were a few times actually that that has happened to me as I held auditions. When someone came in, you know, mm. boom. And, I, you know, all I had to do, because of course all your assistants want to whisper something to you, just put up my hand because no one was going to speak. I remember this one woman in particular. She just stood there. She didn't move. She didn't gesture. She just stood there, and that was her monologue. Okay, we're, we're going to take a short break. Believe it or not, we've already been talking 20 minutes with our good friend from New York, Tulis McCall, actor, writer, producer, and performer, and, uh, and her one-woman shows. We'll be back to talk more about them and the public theater in New York and uh, being bi-coastal and front-row center, all of it. Are you serious? A one-woman show featuring my guest today, actor, writer, producer, and performer, Tulis McCall. Are You Serious? opens Monday, September 19th, 7.30 p.m. at the United Solo Festival in New York City. That's www.unitesolo.org. For tickets, call 212-239-6200. We'll be right back with Tulis McCall. Stay with us. Now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. We came across Butter in a local film festival. We were very lucky, as its one week in theaters certainly didn't gain it much attention. Jennifer Garner stars as Laura, an ambitious Iowan with an I'm-better-than-you core, naked political ambition, and, shall we say, a metrosexual husband? One can't help but appreciate the politically satiric wink toward those who remember Michelle Bachman. The plot is overly simple. Laura's husband is a legendary butter carver, winning the state fair competition so many times in a row, it's time to step aside. This development horrifies Laura, who sees his celebrity as central to her ambitions. So she will step in, win the competition, and rise to new heights. Of course, this won't be so easy, given the emergence of a child prodigy, Butter Carver, and the entry of Brooke, played by Olivia Wilde, a scene-stealing hooker owed money by Laura's husband. The value here is in the pervasive offbeat humor. Often close, but never mean-spirited, this tongue-in-cheek tale is smart. Maybe too unusual for the mainstream and lacking the depth of those serious indies, this butter is slathered on thick and it's darn good. Butter. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show with my New York, L.A. bi-coastal guest, Tulis McCall, who is an actor, writer, performer, producer. We want to talk about her new one-woman show. Are you serious? Let's start with that. I mean, there's lots to talk about. Yes. (laughs) Tell us about Are You Serious and what made that come about? It's a show about being a woman of a certain age. Uh-huh. So in this in this society, that means you know you're you're somewhere between forty and death, oh, and that that's who you are. But there comes an age, and for me, sort of sixty five was the was the tipping point 
serious really asks the question I guess even almost at the mirror that first moment when you think you look more like your mother or father than than yourself and and you know with AARP I understand they, they send out all of their material from the time you're 50 years old about 10 minutes after you turn exactly and, the, and that's what happened when I started getting all this mail from them and I I said to my wife why are they sending this stuff to me and she says well you know you did turn 50 and I said well I, so what what's 50 <laughs> you know? but evidently they think so and they send you all of this and and the point I'm making I think is what you're saying both from your character's point of view and your point of view as the actor and writer but also as the as the audience looking at you and at mm-hmm. who, who, what your character represents, you are suddenly in a whole different category. People treat you differently. And I'm getting these things mm-hmm. about, um, oh, I actually got something from the AARP asking me if I needed help with my driving. I'm going, what? <laughs> so how how is your audience responding uh, to you and all of your performances? You know, you've toured 40 states and... Um, 
uh, and I know you have a biggie coming up on September 19th. Tell us about that. I'm asking you five questions. You can answer them in any order you wish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, women multitask. Exactly. Well, this is a new show. I've done it times here in New York. Yes. And now I was invited back to something called the United Solo Festival. Oh, yes. It runs from September, I think it's through just before... Uh, Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and uh, they do an extraordinary job. They have one tiny little theater right at Theater Row. It's a studio theater, and they do something like 300 different shows. Mm, wow. Um, yeah, so I've been invited back. Um, I got the uh, Best Storytelling Award for last year. Excellent. And so the show has changed, um, you know, since then, because I've changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now it's more... There's a, a great sense of, um, I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. I haven't a clue. So to pretend that I do, it's sort of self-defeating. Sure. And uh, so, but to say, I really don't know, uh, it focuses me more on the moment. You know, I'm becoming sort of rabid for appreciating the moment. Mm-hmm. This beautiful day and taking advantage of it and, you know. Like exactly. It, it. I mean, you. We. I don't know if we said this off air or in the last segment, but we'll risk saying it again. Uh, we want to talk about your research, yes, in the book you were talking about off air, but also we don't, especially we baby boomers, we don't think there is an end. We are so used to so much. And, uh, and, and, you know, the old cliche, life is not a rehearsal, this is it. But I don't, I, 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 one thing we don't rehearse for, that's for sure, I don't know that anyone does, we don't rehearse for growing old. We just don't. And then all of a sudden you're cast in that role. You're now old, uh, perform, and, and, and things are different. And I, but I, I like that you are responding to this for all of us, male and female, whatever color. How do you anticipate? You say you've changed, the play has changed, are you serious? Mm-hmm. And uh, the mm-hmm. research you've done, what is moving you or moved you in the direction of, of are you serious? Besides getting older, I guess. Well, I mean, that's, that's sort of the, that's the nut of the whole, of the whole thing. And yes. what I'm, what I'm noticing is that, um, you know, they say, um, you, you become more of, of what you were. Well, uh-huh. I was cranky before. Uh-huh. I was always cranky. Uh-huh. But now I do it. People go, ah, uh, you know, you're doing, you're cranky because you're a woman of a certain age. No, no. No. Yes. Because now people look at me and go, ah, well, you know, the woman, she's a little cranky. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> there are things that I, you know, I, uh, there are more and more things that I won't do just because I don't want to. Uh-huh. You know, when someone says, oh, you, you know, you want to go over to their house, it would really mean a lot, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll show up for 10 minutes and, you know, I'm out of here. Mm. So, uh, and, and people who waste my time with a conversation, um, who say things that they don't need to say, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they make noise. They make noise, I guess it makes them feel alive or something. Mm. And um, <laughs> I, think, I think there's, you know, better ways to, to do that. You know, one of my favorite ones is, are you still up? <laughs> really? People ask you that? Well, you know, when yeah. you're with whatever and, you know, are you still awake? 
well, I'd be sitting here staring at you, so <laughs> yeah, I guess I am. Um, oh. Or, you know, people who talk about, I was just, I went on this tour to Italy, and the people would sit around talking about what they like to have for breakfast while we were in Italy eating the best food in the world. I know. They're going to talk about, I hate you that. Know, Cheerios. <laughs> Cereals and yogurt or whatever, whatever it was. And I was just going, oh my God, people, what are you doing? But, I'm just noticing stuff like that. Yeah. You know, people, we sit around and we waste precious time. We're not, we don't tell each other, how are you? What is going on in your brain today? We don't do that. Not a lot of us, anyway. I, so I, I, hear, I, think, yeah. I think we can do that. Exactly. I, I think that's a much better way of spending our time. I know that I have, uh, and uh, you sort of alluded to the same sort of situation. We're coming, growing up with an Italian family, uh, the women primarily did most of the talking. Uh, uh, I mean, I had uncles who who would speak, but uh, the ones I remember the most, my father and my uncle Gino, were men of very few words. And mm -hmm. then when they did speak, we paid attention. But I, I don't know where I was going with that point. Um, oh, I know, the food thing. I never, to this day, and my wife does it, I hope she doesn't hear this show, um, there you are having breakfast. You're in the middle of breakfast. It's a wonderful breakfast. And she wants to know what I want for dinner. Well, first for thing dinner. I... I yes. <laughs> what I want for dinner is to be able to finish breakfast in peace without talking about dinner. <laughs> okay. My sisters, and, my sisters and I do that, and, and I have a women's group that I meet with. We've gone away a couple of times. And, and, and that's, you know, it's like, girls, please. Yes. Stop let me do my damn <laughs> Oh heavens! Oh God! All right. Anyway, so I, think, I think we waste a lot. I think we're. I think we waste a lot of time. But I also think, um, you know, no one's taking advantage of us. I remember when my mother was in a sort of an assisted living place, and they had a big old dining room. And about an hour before the meals were served, people would start to collect. Yeah. Uh. Because they had they had no right. Yes. That dining room was, was their life. And I thought, my God, look at the wisdom that's here. Mm. Look at it. That's true. Nobody's asking, nobody's asking them anything. Anything. And they've lived all of it. And they, and they can warn us, if nothing else, about what's to come. Right. <laughs> right. But these so are people, yeah. Get, you know, like, make room for the young people. Yes. Fight me. Yeah. <laughs> I was young. <laughs> I know how to do young, too. Listen, plus I know how to do not smooth. Anyway, but back to, which, and not that we've left it, but uh, are you serious? Um, this um, this being asked back is always nice, always a great thing. Uh -huh. And uh, you're going to do this on September 19th. Uh, tell us some more about, you said you, I know you're doing your own research, obviously, for both your life research and actual, you know, online books and all that. But uh, tell us about some of the things that influenced your writing, Are You Serious? You know, really, it was, it was you know, turning, seeing 65 coming up in the, in the rear view mirror, where, uh -huh. you know, where, you know, that great cartoon with the images are larger than they appear. <laughs> yes. um, and saying, you know, because I'm a great procrastinator. You know, I come from a long line of procrastinators. And if we could have put off breathing, we would. <laughs> well, you know, I think I'm like, maybe Tuesday I'll take a couple of breaths. Or I, well, I don't know. So 
I spent a lot of time procrastinating stuff. And then it was like, well, guess what? The party is going to be over. Mm. Two-thirds of the party, the party has happened. Two-thirds of it has gone by. If you're lucky, you've got another third. Mm. And so when that, you know, when that repeats itself over and over again, and you keep saying, are you serious? Stop it. Go away. And it comes back the next day. It's the damn same thing. And then it says it over and over and over again until finally it creates a little gully in there and that little brain pattern. So I just started writing about that. You know, I'm like uh, a stream of consciousness writer. Um, yes. But now I'm, I'm looking at writers like Penelope Lively, who is a wonderful British author who's written on aging itself and what it feels like. And she's 80-something. Mm. Um, and then uh, and she wrote a book called Dancing Fish and I think it's Amonites. Uh-huh. M-O-N-I-T-E-S. And then there's this wonderful new book about, called Old Age, A Beginner's Guide. Oh, yes. <laughs> By Michael <laughs> Kinsley, who was a writer for the L.A. Times and the New Republican, Har- uh, Harper's, etc. So he's, you know, I love those writers. Yes. Because um, they, they just tell the facts, you know. They mm-hmm. just don't get into a lot of emotion. So that's spurring my... Um, you know, it's connecting to a lot of stuff that I already had, but uh-huh. then, you know, it's making me go, oh, but there's some room now to move around. Like, I always said, you know, uh, I came up with this thing about, um, we weren't born, we were evicted. Because uh-huh. why would you want to leave there? <laughs> you know, if you think you're warm, <laughs> you get to be carried around, food, not a problem, pooping, not a problem, <laughs> and you get to eavesdrop on your mother. Yes. So, what could be better than that? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then all of a sudden the room gets too small. And, and so I say your first act that you ever did was procrastination, because you said not so fast. I'm <laughs> uh, thinking about it. Yes. Everybody had, to, everybody had to wait for you, you know, or they went in and got you. And then you the know? first thing they did was slap you behind. <laughs> <laughs> to punish you for procrastinating. Um, but, so I... That's been a sort of rip of mine, you know. We didn't, we, this birthing, this was a total eviction and betrayal. Mm. And so he wrote in his book, you know, everybody's born thinking that they're, they're never going to die. Yes. So then I just take that and I went, well, of course they don't want to die. They've just been through hell and they can't believe anybody would punish them again. <laughs> From was fine until I got here. Until I got here. What do you mean I'm only going to... What do you mean it's a limited engagement? <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell from this conversation and from, uh, you know, the way your sense of humor that this, while your one-woman shows are about what every woman knows and uh, are you serious, you are talking, you are alerting us to be prepared, to not be surprised that things change, our skin becomes less smooth, but uh, you are doing it, I am assuming, in a what is hilariously funny and oh, yeah. gives us some sense of, um, what's the right word? If it's not hope, it's more than inevitability, is it not? What, what, what do you say? What are you, what are you leaving us with? Well, we know what the outcome is. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I, and I do allude to this, I'm, I might make it more of a private, but I would not be surprised if baby boomers start taking our exit into our own hands. Yeah. I, say, I, you know what? This is good here. Mm-hmm. I, think I'm, I think I'm ready to leave. At least investigate it, because we've seen what happened. We saw what happened to our parents. Sure. 
And a lot of that was unjust and really horrible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us were the caretakers for that. Yes. So I, I would not be surprised if this, you know, this whole movement of, you know what, this, I may be, I may be done. Mm. So, and I'm going to think about it, you know, but it's an active, um, part of our thought process. Mm. It's certainly part of mine. I look around and I go, jeepers, what, what if I... What if I become immobile? What if I do, you know, all those things? Sure. Well, what, what would that be? So so I think that because we're such an enormous, you know, there's, what, 80 million of us, part of the population, uh-huh. that that we need to be addressed. And I want to have people say, me too. Right, I got that. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for saying it out loud in the most brightly lit corner of the room. Okay. I'm hearing it. Well, tell us, how do we see you? We know it's uh, September uh, 19th. Remind us again where, how we get tickets. Tell us. Right. At at this time, it's only one performance, but I'm looking for other venues to do this in New York. So there's a couple of ways. I have a website called areyouserious.nyc. Okay. And uh, And then the, the, uh, the festival is called United solo okay and you can just the united solo 2016 look it up okay and purchase tickets through telecharge and we should also say that you are the creator and editor of the theater review site right front row center oh yeah yeah front row center both biased and brief I love it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It, it now features like 20 writers and covers over 300 yeah. shows per year. That's quite impressive. When do you have time yeah. to do that? Well, I when I moved back from L.A., I had missed the theater so much, you know, because it's, it's few and far between out there. Sure. And so I started to vol- volunteer usher, which you can do here in New York at the off-Broadway houses. And the first shows I saw were so horrible that... I actually wrote to my friends and said, don't, I mean, don't do this, don't go, Mm -hmm. just don't do it. And uh, so they wrote back and said, wow, that's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't take much to get you writing. (laughs) Yeah, really, I know. You think I'm funny? funny? So I just started doing it as a volunteer usher, and then um, uh, I was um, asked to write for a, a website called New York Theater Guide, which is a Excellent, excellent resource for people. And then we, I was able to get into Broadway shows. Uh-huh. And, you know, now we're on the theater, we're on the Broadway B list, or yes. whatever they call that. Uh-huh. So, so, yeah, so now we're doing theater from, you know, off-off to Broadway. And excellent. the point is that it should be short. You know, it's like if, if I met you at a bar and you said, Jeepers, what should I go see? Uh-huh. I should be able to tell you in, you know, a minute and a half. Okay. Max. So we try to kick the reviews, you know, we're not selling column space like Ben Brantley does. Yes. So we don't we don't have to take up room. So I you know, it's like in and out folks. And just tell them why. So yeah, we're doing um we're doing over three hundred shows and we just had a we just reached um a hundred thousand clicks in less than three years. Wow. That was, that was nice. That's good. Yeah. Sure. 
All right. We're so going maybe we'll have to come down and do some Washington. That's right. That's right. We, well, we're going to have to run. We've run out of time. We've been talking to Tulis McCall, actor, writer, producer, and performer. She has written and performed in One Woman Show, Ed, What Every Woman Knows, and Are You Serious, and what else, Tulis? Tell me. Did I get them? Uh, running with Scissors, I did that out in L.A. It was directed by Phil Proctor from yes. the Fire Science Theater. Very good. And those are the, those are the three. All right. Excellent. Uh, the, the top, come and see, are you serious? Just Google me. I'm out there. Okay. Tulis McCall. All right, everyone. Uh, we uh, we really thank you, Tulis, for being on the show. It's been really funny and and a nice wake up call just to wake up. You know, uh, just li life is is what we make it, and so why not make the best of it with all the time that we have, and don't think it's forever. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. Yes, it's not. It's not a rehearsal. <laughs> That's right. As you said. Thank you, Tulis. Oh my goodness! Well, maybe you have to write a two-character play. Okay, I will. Thank you, Tulis. All the best to you. Thank you. Bye now. Okay. Bye bye. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from the Reasonable Voice. discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. What would you call a film that took 12 years to complete? In this case, nothing short of a cinematic masterpiece. Richard Linklater began shooting Boyhood in 2002 when his star, Eller Coltrane, was not yet eight and adorable in his innocence. When the film wrapped in 2013, Mason, Eller's character, was 18. He had weathered good days and bad, demonstrated a wide range of behavior, both good and bad, and headed off to college. Mason was a typical American youth. There's nothing radically different about him. His problems are simply recognizable as challenges of growing up in America today. The genius of the film resides in its almost time-lapse elements. Incredibly, Linklater completed Boyhood in 39 days of actual filming, meeting once a year for only a few days. It will be remembered as special for capturing the passage of time more comprehensively than any other coming-of-age film is ever again likely to do. We watch the same actors gradually morph physically and emotionally into who they will unpredictably become. The process offers us a universal picture of how time and life experience changes us, how the human animal matures, and how American cultural values have evolved. The payoff? A singularly unique work of artistry. Boyhood. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Imagine America from 9-11 to standing rock solid. To progress beyond the tragedies of the past is perhaps our greatest challenge and truest testimony to America's greatness. Imagine corporations contributing most to climate change being taxed and tasked with its obstruction. Imagine government skipping vacations to adequately fund public education and research for Alzheimer's, cancers, and Zika cures. Imagine health, pharmaceutical, and insurance industries deserving public trust. 
Imagine progress is accepting both individual and global accountability for broken treaties, Guantanamo, and refugees fleeing wars. Imagine electing Barack Obama president would end racial discrimination. Exceptionalism is stealing corn and Thanksgiving from Native Americans. Fifteen million American children going to bed without food and our increasingly extreme weather as prologue to food and water wars. Imagine America's progress without the political timing of a Congress grandstanding permission to sue Saudi Arabia, without also considering indicting the Bush-Cheney administration for every member of our military who died, was physically disabled or mentally and psychologically damaged because of its mushroom cloud deceit. Imagine not being a nation of individuals too often maneuvered into ours not to reason why, ours but to do and die. Perhaps honoring those who tragically lost lives and loved ones fifteen years ago is to be ever more vigilant in questioning those in authority who offer only talking points and clichés. Corporate-owned politicians and media repeat the mantra, America changed forever on September 11, 2001, but have you ever heard a soundbite that suggests why? All of us know suicide is becoming an American epidemic, especially among veterans and millennials. But why? Why rising suicide rates, drug overdoses, community tensions, gun violence? Why our diminished self-certainty and loss of faith in our sustainability? Was it 9-11? or how oil wars for Wall Street profits used 9-11. Is the alt-right a troubling flashback of suppressed memories like Wounded Knee, the 1964 murder of three young civil rights workers, or the 2003 invasion of a country that had nothing to do with 9-11? Listen, Powell and Clinton emails, Wells Fargo sacrificial lambs, Fourth estate blood ratings, nor lack of lower expertise, can trump our American dream, or ever be the sum total of a single American life. Imagine all American women and all Americans of color never again being the ignored minority. Imagine standing up for who we're for, rather than encouraging free press for what's against our common good. Imagine rising in 2016 to a vantage point from which we can choose to relive our past, mourn our present, or visualize our potential. If we put aside the childish selfishness of anti-American organizations with intentionally deceiving ultra-patriotic-sounding names like Americans for Prosperity, American Crossroads, and the Freedom Caucus, then it is perhaps the end of the beginning of the moneyed Coke Hydra targeting the Middle Third, and all that are responsible for nothing lasts forever. Imagine in September 2016, foothill jocks gently laying orange roses at the feet of cheerleader Ashley Adamentz. That's exceptionalism. The Sioux Nation includes nine Native American tribes like the Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota, for whom South Dakota was named, and home long before any pale-faced tourist visited the Badlands. Dakota is the Sioux word for friends or allies. 
Maybe that's why they didn't demand that new Spanish and English settlers speak Wanapanoag. In November 2016, even in Jamestown, Virginia, we are the opportunity to stand up with our vote to include all of the people in We the People all of the time. However, we can begin right now wherever we are by standing up for clean air and non-privatized lead-free public water free of corporate ownership or municipal pollution. Imagine reversing the what is past is prologue of slavery, relocation centers, gender inequality, and income disparity by standing up for all American families. Imagine not eliminating Native American culture not enslaving African Americans, encamping Asian Americans, enclosing LGBTQ Americans, exiling Hispanic and Latino Americans. Imagine not excluding female Americans constitutionally. The only true change is to live changed. Imagine choosing to move forward as we did in Selma, Stonewall, and now Standing Rock. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.